couple of weeks ago, as I was with you, we began a series simply entitled, I Am. Jesus made seven important statements declaring to be God and showing us a piece of who he really is, a portion of his character, of his nature, of his purpose and intent while he was on this earth. We began with the statement where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. We talked about what that meant to him, what that said about him and what it means to us. Today, I'm going to do my best to cover two more statements. I may not get them both done. You may have to get uh, the CD or the podcast from Second Service today because I may not get them both covered because I don't want to rush through them, but I want to take the time to elaborate on what Jesus is actually saying to us. We're going to, we're going to begin in John the 15th chapter. We're going to get a little bit out of order, but it'll be okay. John chapter 15, verse 1. John chapter 15, verse 1. We didn't take up our offering, did we? <laughs> Y'all are just going to let me forget. All right. Are you guys your offerings ready? Let's hold them up to the Lord today. Father, I thank you for every giver in this house, for every tither, for every person who has chosen to trust in you, to sow into your kingdom, knowing that we will reap a great harvest. The Father, we can't outgive you. Nothing we ever do will be more than you would desire and, and promise to do for us in return, that you'll open up the windows of heaven over our life and pour out blessings that we can't even contain it or receive it. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for that promise that it will come to pass for every person in this house. Lord, I pray for every person that is given to Cuba. I pray that as we sow into that nation, you would cause this offering to reap a great harvest, that you would touch the lives of women and men and children in that nation that maybe have never heard the word of Jesus. They had never heard the promise of a Savior. Lord, I, I thank you for what you're doing there. We sow into that field right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ushers, you may assist us at this time. Next Sunday, I will be in Mid-County again. However, Pastor Jim Kyles from Sugarland, our one of our, uh, our executive pastor from our Sugarland campus, will be here with you. I'm confident that he's going to do a great job and you will enjoy his ministry next week. John chapter 15, verse 1. John chapter 15. Verse 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. Give just a couple more minutes here as we continue to give. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Father, I thank you for your presence that's here today. I ask that you be with us, that you open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. 
Lord, let my words not be mere words of man's wisdom, but lace them with the power of the Holy Spirit and the demonstration of your Son, Jesus. I pray that you would open the scripture up today. Let us see a piece of your character, of your purpose, of your mandate, both while you were on this earth and after you were resurrected. Father, I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Interesting words here. Jesus begins what we know to be the 15th chapter of John with this statement. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. We see here a a distinction between the role that Jesus plays and the role that God plays. Christ is the vine. God the Father is the vine dresser. The vine dresser we would know to maybe be the the gardener, uh, the one who prunes, the one whose job and responsibility is to make sure that that tree, that vine, that garden produces fruit. Now up until this point, Israel, the, the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel were considered to be the vine. They were considered to be uh, God's plan in the earth. What he wanted to reveal and what he wanted to do. But in this statement, Jesus makes a very important shift. The reason he has to make the shift and one of the reasons uh, why Jesus had to come is because the fruit that Israel had borne, uh, they they had become... um, Diseased, they had become, they had become uh, or rotten or, or degenerate and were producing rotten fruit. And so Jesus is saying, Israel, you haven't done what you were supposed to do. You haven't stayed in relationship with the Father. But you've continued to get away. And though you keep His laws, you're far from Him. Though you seem to do everything right, your heart is far from God. And so Jesus says, there's a new plan, and this plan is that I am now the true vine, and you are the branch. So I now am becoming the source uh, through which God is going to deliver his plan and fulfill his promises on this earth. I am the source through which you're going to receive life and produce fruit. It used to be Israel, now it is Jesus. This is a pretty shocking statement here, but I want you to note a couple of things as he begins to discuss this issue of fruit. Because if Jesus is the vine and we are the branch, there is no mistaking in these verses that he is requiring of us to bear fruit. This is not, I hope you do. This is not, uh, I really wish that you would, but it is a requirement to bear fruit in your life. So... Watch what he says here in verse 2. You're going to see a progression that he wants for you and I. It begins with this. Verse 2. And every branch that bears fruit. So the first level that God wants you to get to is to be a branch that bears fruit for him. This is the first step. Bear fruit. Watch this in verse 2. He prunes you so that you may bear more fruit. So we start with bearing fruit, and then God looks at you and says, okay, you're bearing fruit, now I want you to go to the next level. I'm going to prune you so that you bear more fruit. Watch verse 5 now. 
He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. So there's this process of walking through that Christ wants us to be where we're bearing fruit. Then he wants to prune us so that we bear more fruit. Then he wants us to abide in him and us, uh, him and us and us in him so that we bear much fruit. He wants us to walk along this process. Bear fruit. Okay, you've got that down. Bear more fruit. Okay, you're doing good. Now bear much fruit. You often find this pattern as you walk through the Bible. As you walk through, you can look at the Old Testament, you can look at the New Testament, where you talk about how God wants to live us a, a life where He moves us from having just enough to having barely enough to having uh, abundance to having more than abundance. You, you can go back to the book of Genesis and you can study where God gave a harvest of 30 times, 60 times, and then eventually 100 times. Why? Because this is the way God works. God is always uh, working in processes. He wants you to get started in the process. You say, well, Pastor Renan, I'm not there and I can't, I can't get to much fruit. Don't worry about getting it. You start at the beginning, bear fruit. And this is the way God works. Aren't you glad that the day you were saved, God didn't require you to be 100% perfect in every single way, but he put you in a process to allow sin to be, leave your life and holiness to take over? I know that I am. This is the way God works. You see, uh, justification happens in a moment, but righteousness takes place over the course of time. Uh, sanctification is a process, and this is the way God works. So he says, I want you to bear fruit, I want you to bear more fruit, and then I want you to bear much fruit. So my question then is, what happens if we're not bearing fruit? Well, we go back to verse uh, 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, I'm not sure which Bible that you're reading, which style of Bible, if it's a study Bible, or if it's uh, uh, NIV or New King James. I don't know what you're reading, but in my Bible... Where he says he takes away, there's a little bitty tiny A next to it. And at the bottom of the page, you find verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 2, and you see that little A. Uh, and it gives you the other translation of this word, takes away. The translation is that he lifts up. So the same word that means, means take away means lift up. Does any of your Bible have that? How many of you have your word today? A few of you, okay. Uh, does your, nod your head at me if you see uh, if your Bible has that notation in it. A few of you do? Okay. For years, scholars have been arguing about uh, which, which way to translate it. Most of them agree to translate it that he lifts up because it flows with the, with the context of what God is saying. But the truth is, at the end of the day, both of them mean the same thing. I'm going to use the term lifts you up because it's easier to understand what Jesus is saying in this moment. What do we do if we're not bearing fruit? Remember that Jesus is giving us this beautiful illustration of a vine and a vine dresser and branches that are either bearing fruit or not bearing fruit. In a vine, they often, as you know, grow along maybe a fence or then grow along the ground. So most specifically here, when, when Jesus says he lifts you up or you, he takes you away, what he's saying is 
he gets you out of where you are and he and a, and a vine dresser or a gardener would literally grab the branch and lift it up and hang it maybe on a fence or or a post or something else uh, on on a rooftop in a, in a way that the vine that was on the ground that wasn't bearing fruit typically because it wasn't getting enough light and enough water where it was. He lifts the vine up and he puts it in a position to where it is now exposed to sunlight and it's, and it's exposed to rain or water. Okay, let's think about our life now and what, God, what Jesus is saying to us in this moment. For those of you that are not bearing fruit, now he's going to get to the place where he does cut us off. But his first step as a good gardener is to try to save the branch. You're not bearing fruit. I'm not just going to cut you off. The first thing I want to do is I want to begin to get you out of where you are and lift you up so that things in your life are exposed so that I can pour my light and water. Water is the word of God. So he says, I want, to, I want to give you light, I want to give you source, I want to give you energy into places that need to bear fruit, and then I want, to, I want you to overlay it with the Word of God and apply the Word of God to your life. And when you do these things, now you are in position to bear fruit in your life. I'm really glad that we don't serve a God that just cuts us off when we make a mistake. But here's what we do. We don't want him to cut us off, but it's often not fun to be exposed either. But Christ has a way, through, through the Holy Spirit, he exposes things in our life. Why does he expose them? Not to be mean, not to embarrass you, not to be rude, but he exposes it so that light can touch it, so that it can get water, so that you can then deal with it and bear fruit. This, is, this reflects the love of a gardener, the love of a, of a vine dresser who wants his, his garden to produce as much fruit as his, it possibly can. And so when he looks at your life, he says, I want you to be everything that I created you to be. Right now you're on the ground. And there are things that are covered and there are things that are hidden and there are things that are not working and not producing. But because I want the best for you and I want you to produce fruit, more fruit and much fruit, because I want you to be everything that I've dreamed that you would be and everything that you have dreamed that you would be, I'm going to lift you up, expose some things in you and do some supernatural surgery on you. Well, then he moves us forward. And he's, he's positioned us. Bear fruit. Okay? So if you're bearing fruit now, he says, I'm going to prune you. Now, pruning is not a fun process. Pruning is often... often I remember when my father and I when, and my sisters and... Uh, let's see. How was Hannah? How was Hannah when we moved? Hannah was very young when we moved, wasn't she? To the ranch. Uh, she was two. And it was very young. So uh, my father, my mom, and mostly me and Kara got out and planted trees forever. We just planted tree after tree after tree. And then the girls would go inside and dad and I would just be planting tree after tree after tree. Because they basically, we took a rice field and turned it into uh, a, his ranch where he has built a home and all these things. So there was no trees anywhere. So we had to, we had to plant all these trees. And man... 
You know, it's just been such a wonderful thing over the course of the last 18 years or so to, uh, going on 20 years now, to watch how many of these trees have grown and blossomed, and now they're just beautiful trees. But man, when we were planting them, they were scrawny, and they were ugly, and it was work, and I was, you know, it, it was just terrible for me. I didn't want to do this. This was not part of the deal. See, when we moved out from the city to the country, it was going to be four-wheelers and horses and guns and lakes. And no, no, it was work and work and work and work. A few of you know what I'm talking about. But the next year, after we planted these trees, and every time, I, every time Dad sees the trees, he sees future, he sees life, he sees growth. I see work and pain and toil. <laughs> and then he goes out there with these clippers and he begins to prune the trees. But to me, it doesn't look like pruning. It just purely looks like chopping the tree down. You're cutting that branch. Dad, do you know how long we worked to get that branch to grow? And now you're cutting it off. Do you know how deep we dug that? And we had to get everything just right. And, it, and the hole couldn't be too big or it couldn't be too small. And we worked and the, and the tractor broke down. So then we had to do it all by hand. And do you remember? And, and dad is a good tree keeper, if you will, <laughs> is clipping. And as he's pruning, he's saying, you're exactly right. And it's because of that same love, the same care that we used when we were planting the tree is the same care that I'm using as I prune the tree. From my perspective, it looks like he's destroying it. But from his perspective, he's giving it a chance at a fullness of life and growth. Let's talk about this a little bit. What, what's happening uh, when we, when we prune, there, prune? There are two main reasons uh, that we prune. You see, prune, pruning is the removing of parts that are no longer useful. And so when, when Jesus says... Uh, for he who bears fruit, he prunes so that you can bear more fruit. So he's going to remove parts that are no longer useful. Watch this now. Two main reasons. Number one, to improve your function. Uh, pruning intrus, improves the function of a tree. It improves the overall health. Number two, it improves the aesthetics. There's an aesthetic reason for pruning. When you prune, it's to enhance or change the look of. You remember that Christ wants us to look like him. So he prunes us to change our aesthetics so that we now look like our Savior. The result then is a healthier, more attractive specimen. Thank you, Lord, for pruning me. I want to look better than I look right now. I'm somewhere in the future, and I look much better than I look right now. <laughs> so what is he doing? Well, first of all, uh, pruning is the process of removing older stems which encourages the plant to put energy into new growth, thus keeping the plant young. He cuts off the old to force the tree to grow in new areas and keep the tree young. If you allow it just to grow and grow in any way, which way it wants to, the tree becomes old and decrepit because it can't support all of the things that it's trying to do. And so it becomes old. How many of you want to stay young? Allow God to prune you. He's got to cut some things off. He's got to change some things. Don't get so caught up holding on to yesterday and mad about today when God has moved because God is wanting to keep you young. But I like it better yesterday. I liked that branch. God said, yes, but I want to keep you young and I'm moving. Allow him to prune you. Put your energy into new growth. It'll keep you young. Amen? Secondly, it controls or directs the new growth. 
So not only we cut off the old growth and force it to grow new growth, but we want it to grow in the direction that we want it to grow. So some new things are not good. Some new things need to be cut off so that God can move us in the direction He wants us to go. Every new idea is not a good idea. Every new revelation is not really a revelation from God. And so God wants to control the growth so that we, He keeps us on a path to maximize our destiny. The third reason, and this is a very important one, uh, as you're growing trees, I, I learned that when you, oftentimes you have to prune or cut off a branch because the branch is diseased. And so to keep the disease from spreading into the tree and killing the tree, you cut the branch off. This is one of the things that God does as He's pruning. There are things in our life that are diseases. There may be people in your life that are diseases that are pulling on you and sucking out your life and, and, and are, are, are causing their disease to get over on you. Their attitudes, their bitterness, their frustration, their anger, their issues are becoming your issues. And God is saying, I want to prune that. But God, I love them. yes. But he loves us enough to cut it off. Let me ask you this question. Do you often feel isolated? Do you often feel like you're the one getting cut off? Maybe you're the disease. Maybe God is pruning you out of the life of someone else. Because God cares about them. And it's that point that we need to say, okay, Lord, work on me. Heal the disease that is going on in me that is causing me to disrupt life. And you keep moving me here and moving me there. And I all often feel alone and by myself. Well, maybe. And, and this may not be the case. But ask yourself and ask God, is there something going on in me that you need to heal? I'm not getting a lot of amens on that one. It's okay. I wasn't expecting it. Finally, he, uh, then, then, he, then he says that pruning increases the, both the quantity and the quality of fruit. His purpose in you is that you bear more fruit and better fruit. More fruit and better fruit. That you are able to do more than you were and you're able to do it better than you were. Not that you work harder than you did, but you get more done and you get it done better than you did before. And then he says, I, I want to... Uh, pruning allows you to maintain balance between your roots and your top growth. This is very important. You don't want your top growth, what everyone sees, to outgrow your roots. When this happens, one of a couple of things take place. Either, first of all, the roots aren't taking in enough water and nutrients to be able to support the growth that's going on that everyone sees, so, so things begin to die. And you, we want everybody to see us when we're green and beautiful and producing fruit. But we don't want people to see when we start dying off. And so the, the purpose of a gardener is to keep this thing in balance where your roots and your top growth are in balance. And your root system, your core, your character, your, your roots in the kingdom of God can support uh, what's happening in your life. The, sec the second thing that happens is if, if the top growth... Uh, overwhelms the roots and it gets too big and too large it could call the cause the tree to literally fall over could literally cause the tree just to lay over on its side because the roots can't hold the top growth 
You may have heard a statement along these lines or a quote along these lines before where something like this, your giftings, your talents, or your anointings will get you there, but it's your character that keeps you there. How many of you have heard that before? Your character is your roots. Your walk with God is your roots. It's the thing that goes down deep and grounds you to be able to hold what God wants to do in your life. So a gardener knows the size of the roots, and a good gardener will keep the top growth in balance with what's happening underneath. You say, God, why am I not growing more? Why aren't things not happening more? God may be pruning you in order to allow your root system to grow to be able to handle what he wants to do in your life. It takes time. It takes time. Well, then he says uh, that it improves air circulation and allows light to hit, uh, excuse me just a second. Allows light to hit the inner and lower leaves. You see, you have to understand this thing about God is God wants to work from the inside out. Oftentimes, as you read in the Old Testament and even through the New Testament, there was this contradiction and this fight going on between, uh, specifically in the New Testament, between circumcision or no circumcision and how does this thing work? Can you be saved if you're not circumcised? And Paul makes this incredible argument for the heart of God that says God is working from the inside out. And so you're circumcised in your heart as God touches you in, on the inside. And thus, your outside is a reflection of what God is doing on the inside. Because God no longer works from the outside in. This is the way God wants to do in your life. He wants to start and, and bring life and air and exposure to the inside. What's happening? The, the hidden places in us. And as God works on the inside, it changes things on the outside. And that's the way that God works. So then he says, finally, I want you to bear much fruit. To bear much fruit, we re must remember who is the vine and who is the branch. You are not the vine. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not my vine. He's the vine. He says it twice, just to be emphatic. He says, uh, he says, you're the branch. You cannot bear fruit un unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you as the branch unless you abide in me. And just to be clear, in verse 5, in, in case you, there's any misunderstanding of what he's saying here, he says it again. I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You can cut a branch off of a vine and lay it on the ground and it won't produce anything. But Jesus says, I don't want you to live your life this way. I am the source. I, I am your source of life, of energy, of, of resources, of vitality. I am the source. So make sure that you're abiding in me. Make sure that you're plugged into me. Make sure that you don't forget who your source is and somehow think that we are the source or our job is the source or, or our husband or our wives are the source. They are not. Christ is our source. We got to stay plugged into him. I am a branch. I'm plugged into my vine. When we try to become the vine, uh, you, you may have seen oftentimes in trees uh, when they are young and they begin to grow, 
the, the trunk will divide and because what's called a double leader, where the, they try, it tries to make two branches or, or, excuse me, two trunks. This doesn't work for a tree, and so for the tree to be healthy, one of those has to be cut off. One of those leaders has to be cut off because where there's two leaders, we have division, and a tree can't be healthy. And so Christ is saying to us, don't, don't try to be the vine. You be the branch. I'm the vine. I'm the source. I'm the trunk of this tree, and you're the branch. And as long as you stay in me, as long as you stay connected to me, as long as you abide in me and I in you, as long as you know that I am the source and, and, and you are the one that bears fruit, then you will bear fruit. And you'll be healthy. And I'll be able to prune you. The Father will prune you. And, and He'll work with you. He'll work from the inside out to make sure that you're healthy and you're safe. And He'll take care of you. But when you decide to be the vine, you get disconnected from your source. So we have to know our role. And we have to trust in God. And we have to follow the process. I'm out of time this morning. I want to encourage you. Uh, maybe sometime this week to get the CD from the second service, and I'll be talking about one of the other statements that Jesus made. But I want you to look at your life as we close today. You can close your Bibles. And I want, to ask, I want you to ask yourself, where am I in the process? The first question is most simply, am I bearing fruit? Am I bearing fruit? If you're not bearing fruit in your life, if, you're, uh, if God is not working through you, if your life doesn't seem to be moving, doesn't seem to be healthy, you're not bearing fruit. You know, as, as a son and as a daughter of God, when Jesus says bear fruit, one of the most specific things that he's referring to is, are you reproducing what I've done in you to others? Are you sharing your walk with God? Are you sharing your, your testimony with others? Are you reproducing? Are you bearing fruit? When was the last time we talked to someone else about Jesus? When was the last time that our life was lived as a witness? We had a chance to pray for someone. Not, not in these four walls. I'm talking about outside when was the last time are you bearing fruit if you're not God and his love and his care wants to lift you up today and he wants to expose some things in you that maybe not right or maybe that he wants to work on maybe he wants to fix just a little bit maybe he wants to rearrange so that you can bear fruit and be everything he's called you to be. At the end of my life, I want Jesus to say of me, I called him to bear much fruit, and that is what he did. What do you want Jesus to say about your life? Allow the Holy Spirit to work on you. When he exposes things to you, when he, you begin to see things and you begin to have thoughts about, you know, suddenly things are going on in your life and you, they keep coming up, and there's maybe you have uh, an attitude or an issue or something that's working and, and you don't and all of a sudden you've never thought about it before but now you're thinking about it maybe it's God exposing it to you so that he can work on it let God work secondly if you are bearing fruit God wants you to bear more fruit and then he wants you to bear, you to bear much fruit he wants you to 
uh, allow him to prune you. The pruning process is not fun, and it looks like he's cutting everything away. The good gardener knows exactly what he's doing, and you can have confidence that the God that created you with a purpose and an intent in mind, he created you, and he knows exactly what needs to happen in your life so that you produce much fruit. I want to produce for Jesus. How about you? Would you stand with me today?